Hello, magic makers. Welcome back to the Metaphysical Apothecary Podcast. We are super excited to have you here today. And today's topic, pop pantheons, familiars. One of the most intriguing ways to use a pop pantheon is to pull from your favorite characters, your favorite fandoms, your favorite mythology, your favorite pieces of history, and even prehistory to interact with familiars. Familiars are spirits, animals, or a pet that you have who helps guide you on your magical journey. And sits on your tarot cards as you're trying to do a reading. Yes, very often. (laughs) Staring at you in the eye and going, you already know what it's going to (laughs) say. You had that experience with Tabby and I have had that experience with Simon several times. Yes. And Merlin as well. That was something that Simon loved doing too. Whenever I was laying tarot cards, he would either come and lay next to the reading and just purr and bat my crystals, or he would lay directly on top of the cards and stare at me until I rubbed his belly because I didn't need to be reading cards right now. I needed to be relaxing. Merlin was our older cat who has also passed, and he was the type to come to the circle and lay on top of whatever I was doing, whether it was tarot cards, if I was throwing runes, a different type of working, he would lay on them. It doesn't matter what it was. He felt the energy rising, and he went enter the circle, willy-nilly, plop himself down, and I would have to try to work around him. Tabitha, who is our younger cat, she's the one who will come over, enter their circle, and just stare at me, look me in the eye, going, you do not need to be reading this. Why are you reading it? You know the answer. Now pet me. Yep. You should be doing it while you're petting me. Yeah. It raises more energy that way. Don't you understand, Shannon? Yeah. There was more than once we would sit down at the altar in front of it, holding hands, and Simon came over very often and would sit very neatly between us, stare up at the altar, and put his tail over our joined hands and just sit there. He was not one to sit still without causing a ruckus, but during altar time, he would come over and he would join us. Sometimes he would walk in a circle around us. Familiars are there to guide you. There's something just a little bit more to a familiar than there is to a household pet. And they can be anything. I've known people who have dogs as their familiars. We just both mentioned cats. They can be horses, snakes, neighborhood wild creatures. Sometimes people will befriend local wildlife, crows or deer or another animal who kind of comes around and you have a special relationship with them. Whether it's long distance or whether you are able to safely and respectfully get up close and personal with these creatures. I imagine squirrel would not stop whether or not it was respectful of you. That's very true. That's very true. Squirrel wouldn't care. Nope, not at all. You're not able to have a physical animal present, whether it's directly inside your circle or in the vicinity of your circle. And there's no way to have that. You're living in an apartment, no pets allowed, no animals allowed. You have allergies that are severe, if not super severe. And you find the wildlife to be too dangerous to be within your circle vicinity and need to keep them away. Various dangerous reasons. There's a number of reasons why a physical animal familiar guides may not be possible possible. That's when a fandom finding a familiar there actually comes in really handy. Pop Pantheon familiars is kind of like working with your archetype familiars, Pop Pantheon archetypes, except you're moving to work with one particular animal 
are beast-like creatures of different fandoms for a working, and you gravitate to that one more often than not. Now, you're only familiar, but you're gravitating towards one in particular most of the time. Uh And that'll allow you to have a familiar relationship, just not with a familiar that happens to be on the same plane of existence as you at this point in time. Uh You also have the opportunity, if it's a popular character, popular fandom, to have stuffed animals of this particular creature, animal, beast. So you can have a physical representation of that familiar without having the familiar animal in your vicinity. Uh The first one that comes to mind is actually Pokemon. (laughs) I love me some Pikachu. I love me some Squirtle. (laughs) Pokemon is a perfect example of finding a particular creature, Pokemon, that best suits your personality, the way you work your magic, the reasons why you're working your magic in this moment in time. And you'll also have the opportunity to have figurines of those Pokemon. There's plenty of Pikachu stuffed animals. You have Pokemon cards and used to allow into your circle that would represent the familiar that you want to work with. Mm-hmm. I know someone who has a cat familiar, a physical cat familiar, but also has Pikachu as a pop pantheon familiar as well that they use off and on again. They have a bunch of figurines and stuffed animals. Mm-hmm. The thing about choosing a pop pantheon familiar too is that you can have beings and creatures that you identify with, that you love, that you feel have really good energy for the kind of practice that you have that don't physically exist in our world. Pokemon are a good example of this. They don't physically exist in our world, but there are literally hundreds of these guys and they have different forms. So as your practice evolves, maybe your Pokemon familiar also evolves. Or the level of magic you're doing will dictate the evolution of the Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They're absolutely. not bound by the same rules of physics. They could go forward and backward in their evolution timeline. Exactly. So you can kind of really play around with that energy. And if you want something more playful, more youthful, or you're planting a seed for manifestation, maybe you want to use the first form for the Pokemon. If you need something that's a little bit more elevated, you're looking to push something along, or you need a little bit more power behind what you're doing, you call upon their final form. One of the other things that you can do with Pop Pantheon familiars is historical familiars. If there is an animal that you want to work with that you wish you could work with that is extinct, whether it's something that existed in the primordial beginnings of our planet or something that is more recently extinct, unfortunately, like the Tasmanian wolf or the woolly mammoth, you can. You can pull that energy out. You can do that research and figure out what their energy evokes for you and pull that into your experience. The same is true for mythological creatures. Phoenix, griffin, sphinx, dragons. I have not yet met a pagan person who doesn't like dragons. Let me put it that way. But you can pull in energy from mythological animals as well to evoke familiar energy. I feel like it's important to make a distinction between familiar energy and the energy of a spirit guide or a spirit animal. My spirit animal is the lynx. Lynx not only walks with me, lynx embodies a lot of who I am as a person on the inside. If I was an animagus, my animal form would be a lynx. However, my familiar was a domestic cat. And 
while they're both feline, they're very, very different. And their purpose was very different. Whereas the lynx is within me all the time and is a facet of me. A familiar is an animal or a creature that is separate from you rather than a piece of your identity. When you have a physical familiar, there's also a slight imbalance of power, usually, between familiar and witch. In the case of animals that we keep in our homes, who are also our familiars, they depend on us for a lot. We have a lot of the power and a lot of the responsibility in that relationship. The pop pantheon creatures have an energy that they evoke. They have different characteristics that we can tap into, but they're not necessarily on the same level of sentience and consciousness that we are. That's not to say that they're not as sophisticated as we are. It's just very different. If you have to be the one to evoke or approach it, you have the responsibility of taking care of it in that moment. Whereas most of the time, your spirit guide or your spirit animal very rarely waits for you to approach it. It's more likely to be waiting for you to recognize it, but it's been hitting you upside the head as often as possible for as long as possible before you've recognized it. It's already you, so there's no need for you to invoke it into your circle. It's there. You just have to recognize it. Mm -hmm. It's something that you reach out and bring into your experience. It's a separate entity from you. Mm -hmm. That may or may not want to be there, even if it is a non-physical creature. Sometimes you're familiar, even if it's a physical creature, does not want to be in your workings. You can't force it to be in your circle. You can't force it to sit on your tarot cards. It'll get up and leave. That's very true. <laughs> the same thing will happen to a familiar from a pop pantheon from a different plane of existence in a different world, a different realm, if it does not want to be there, it will get up and walk away. That is very true. And that's something to keep in mind as well. You can call in an energy, especially an animal familiar, who doesn't feel like being there or is like, no, you need a different energy. It's not me. Bye. Yeah. What comes to mind is Sabrina, the Netflix rendition of Chilling Adventures. Yes. She's calling a wild familiar to be her familiar. I think they're gremlins and they have a gremlin form, but they will take on an animal form once they're bound to a witch. She's not going to force a gremlin to be her familiar the way that it was traditionally done in their coven. She's not looking through a book and saying, oh, this hedgehog is perfect for me. I'm going to force it to be my familiar. She takes the unconventional route, goes out and says, hey, I need a familiar. Anyone want to work with me? And Salem appears to her and takes on the form of a black cat. Huh? But Salem is not always there with her when she's doing her magic. There are times where he's just like, nah, I'm not feeling this. Mm -hmm. And I feel like even more so than with human or otherwise humanoid beings, they'll usually answer your call. Even if they're not necessarily supposed to be there or they're not yours, they will normally answer your call. They'll at least humor you. A familiar energy is not going to do that. No, it might come when you call, but it's not going to stay. It's like your dog is more likely to come to you when you call than your cat, but if your dog doesn't want to be around, like if you're not doing something that is interesting to the dog, he's going to wander off. And it's very important to remember, if you have a, a representation of them that you want to take into the circle with you, make sure that you ask first, because they don't talk like we do. So you want to make sure you're getting the right vibe. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's just taking up space. Right. You could have an effigy of your pop pantheon familiar, but that doesn't mean that the energy is occupying it. Mm -hmm. There are so, so, so many different... <laughs> 
familiars that you can explore and call on. In addition to Pokemon, there are many other fandoms that you can explore for this. Avatar, again, is one of my favorite because you've got dragons, yes, but you've also got the six-legged sky bison that the airbenders bond with. They've got a lot of wisdom, but also a lot of attitude. And they're these big, heavy, fuzzy creatures that fly. They don't look like they should be able to, but they do. They can teach you about different kinds of lightness, different kinds of power, different kinds of contradiction in your life and how those things actually do fit together nicely. There's a lot of chimeric creatures in the Avatar universe as well. They almost never talk about an animal that's not blended with some other kind of animal. There's owl cat, turtle ducks, and polar bear dogs. If you feel drawn to do different kinds of animals, this might be a good universe to mine for a good familiar because you might be able to find something that's a combination of the two energies you're looking for. Within the Harry Potter Wizarding World universe is Fantastic Beasts. There is the book that was released before the movies, but then there's also the movies who have given us a more detailed and broader understanding of just what kind of Fantastic Beasts might exist in the Harry Potter universe beyond the school textbook that was originally published. You had Three-Headed Dog, who's also a Greek mythological creature. You had the dragons. And then Fantastic Beasts was released, and you have these different creatures that are quite gorgeous on screen. Yeah. You know, the one that comes to mind is the moon calf that we see Jacob feeding when he first enters the suitcase. Yes. These are gentle, adorable, beautiful creatures. We have no other real reference for them outside of a little blurb in the book. And the little bit we have on screen where Jacob's surrounded by a herd of them, and they're not really, they're pushy, but they're not aggressive. They're very cute and fluffy and wanting attention and wanting food. Mm -hmm. But maybe that moon calf is also willing to be, or is your familiar. Mm -hmm. Or you have the Niffler. Everyone loves the Niffler. It's the Niffler who likes to collect shiny things. Yes. So they would make an excellent familiar when you're going tracking to find treasure in your own life. So internal treasure or even external treasure. If you want to focus on abundance, you can call on your Niffler and say, hey, I'm starting a, a gratitude practice or I want to enhance my gratitude practice or I want to recognize the abundance in my life. I need you with me while I'm searching out all the little treasures that are studded throughout my existence that I can't see. Help me find them. Another one that came to mind from Harry Potter specifically that I absolutely love is the Thestral. Yeah. They're so sweet and gentle and misunderstood. Nobody wants to think about Thestrals because they represent something that nobody wants to think about. But if you have a Thestral as your familiar, you can call on them to walk with you through parts of your journey that you don't necessarily want to think about. They can help carry and guide you through those pieces of your journey. Yeah, I was about to say, they can carry you through. You can ride them. Mm -hmm. Especially if you recognize them and are able to see them, it means that you've been through something traumatic in your life. They're a representation of what the trauma looks like versus what the trauma is able to do for you when you begin the healing process it can become something very magical and uplifting because you've needed to do a lot of introspection and perform a lot of self-care and compassion to get through that piece of your life. Thinking about shape-shifting creatures, werewolf, 
for instance. That's a mythological horror creature. Mm-hmm. Werewolves, as far as we know, are not real. Yep. But you can still invoke werewolf energy and call on werewolf as your familiar, calling on both the human and the wolf-like aspects of this being. Very often... Werewolves are characterized as quite violent, but newer stories are characterizing werewolves as more guardians of their loved ones, of their people. And wolves themselves, there's a lot of magical aspects that you could dive into there. So if you feel a particular need for a lot of protection during a working, along with the need for the wolf's particular energy, whether that's community, whether it has something to do with the wolf's senses and being able to hunt effectively or something of that nature, you can call on a werewolf to come and settle in and be your familiar, even temporarily. It doesn't have to be a permanent thing either. Mm-hmm. Familiar energy does not have to be permanent. In fact, it's very rarely permanent. Uh-huh. Anyone who has a familiar knows that at some point in time that familiar will be leaving you. They will be crossing a rainbow bridge because that's the life cycle. Uh-huh. They may be with you for a longer period of time than a pop pantheon familiar feels obligated to be your familiar at that point in time, but familiars are not permanent to you and your craft, to you and your practice. You can always not have a familiar with you. Even if you happen to have a familiar, the familiar might not be interested in whatever you're working on. Right. Or it could be that you have a woodland creature that just happens to decide to perch on your windowsill when you're doing a working it likes and then goes away. Mm-hmm. So with Pop Pantheon familiars, the same thing can hold true where you can invite a werewolf to be your familiar for that working or for a period of workings and it will appear and be with you energetically and then turn around and say, okay, you don't need me anymore. I know you don't need me. You think you need me. I know you don't. Yep. It behooves us to trust their instincts because for all our ability to philosophize, human beings are, especially modern human beings, are very deeply removed from the natural world. And animals, whether they're papantheon animals or real living animals, are much more attuned to the rhythms of the natural world. So if they feel a current or a rhythm that we're not aware of, in the natural world, in the the alignment of the energy that we're pulling together and know that they don't need to be a part of it. We need to trust that. Mm -hmm. It could also be a sign that we're not supposed to be doing this particular working. If you are able to discern when they're just, they know they don't need to be present versus they know you don't need to be doing this, that's probably a good leg up. Uh Another fandom that you can draw familiars from is Star Wars, especially Mm -hmm. the newer movies. There are so many creatures and beings that have different capabilities and different anatomy and different energy. The one that I can think of off the top of my head is the Dianoga from the trash compactor scene in the original film. Uh-huh. Star Wars episode four, the Dianoga in the track compactor scene, where it just comes up and it like looks around and it's just basically a stalk with an eye on it. But if you're going through something that looks like just a big old pile of garbage, a Dianoga energy might be able to help you slog through that and find a way out or figure out a use for the garbage because garbage didn't used to exist. It's a modern invention. Mm-hmm. So the Dianoga might be able to show you, hey, look, this isn't garbage. I live here. This is a good place to be. There's Mm -hmm. lots of resources. 
familiars that I've worked with that are from the Ez family fandom. Mm -hmm. You could call on Homer, who's Wednesday's pet spider, Aristotle, who is Pugsley's pet octopus, Cleopatra, who is Morticia's pet carnivorous plant, or what I actually have done is work with Thing Energy as a familiar. I have physical representations of what I hold to be Thing, uh, and candle holders. I have done workings where Thing is holding the candle for me and burning a candle while I'm working through something magically. I've used him to help with magic that was done with me and one another person who had not done magic in the past, who was only just starting to come to their magical path and understanding. I used his familiar energy to lend them a hand, ha ha, wink wink, <laughs> in order to allow the energy to unfold the way it needs to unfold without any kind of mishaps, because Thing is really good at making sure things go the way they're supposed to go. Mm-hmm. I've also thing energy. He's standing on his wrist and holding something, which he also does very often in both the series and the movie, and passing the energy on me for what he's holding. Mm -hmm. It's because he gets things done. He communicates very well. He lends a hand when a hand is needed. He's a very helpful energy in my workings. I find to be very willing to be a part of the work. He's very willing to be in the working, in the spell, in the circle, in the magic, contributing to the magic. Mm -hmm. And I know that, for the most part, people will not think of hand as a familiar because it's a human body part. But Thing, while he's not seen as a pet by the Adams family, he's also given a lot more freedom than a human is. Mm -hmm. Right down to the fact that when they have the sleeping scenes in the films, yeah. Thing is usually asleep on somebody's chest. Yes. Thing also happens to wake up a newborn baby by slapping it on its behind. <laughs> And thus, in my universe, a witch was born. <laughs> I mean, that's just peak goth right there. Yes. In my universe, that was the birth of a non-Adams family, Adams family member. Yep. You touched on this briefly, Shannon. There are so many ways to represent your pop pantheon familiar in your circle or in your life in general. So the most obvious way to do this is with some sort of plush effigy. And most of the beings that we talked about are available through various sellers. You can buy Pokemon plushies. You can buy Hedwig the Owl. You can purchase you can purchase mythological and extinct plush toys. It's pretty easy to find them these days. And one of the wonderful things about having a plush toy of your Pop Pantheon familiar is that you can carry that with you wherever you need to. You can hug it. You can pet it. You can have it snuggled up next to you at night, just like a lot of people who have physical animals in their lives do. So you can interact with them on a daily basis basis similar to how you would interact with a familiar living in your home. I think you can bring these with you. I imagine that it would be an extremely interesting energy and very powerful energy if you were to have four different Pokemon <laughs> at each of the corners of your circle if you call in the elements. I do want to take a moment and say when we're talking about ritual and the way that ritual is done, it's in no way meant to give anyone a primer or a guideline for how they should be doing things. If that's not something that you do, if you don't cast circles, if you don't call the corners, that's okay. That's perfectly fine. I don't always do it. I don't either. <laughs> I don't always perform ritual magic. It's just when I feel like I need to, but some people never do it at all. 
if you perform magic differently, that's perfectly okay. I'm just referencing what I'm usually comfortable with. As I was saying, it would be interesting to have four different Pokemon representing each element or representing different energies that you're calling in and just having them there. That would be a very interesting way to perform a working. Mm -hmm. Something else you can do is have images, either ones that you've drawn yourself or ones that you've printed off from online. There are a lot of resources that allow you to do that for free. So if you are a shoestring witch doing magic on a shoestring, <laughs> then it's fairly easy to find really beautiful pictures. Put them in a cheap dollar store frame and those wherever you need to. And think about the idea of having that image of a werewolf or Appa the Sky Bison or a dragon next to your bed at night. Maybe you can't snuggle up with a picture frame, but you can have that guardian or that companion next to you. The same with a Thestral. You could create a locket size image of a Thestral and put it in a locket. And that's how you take your familiar with you wherever you need to go. Especially if you're using the Thestral energy, if you're asking it to walk with you through a difficult, scary part of your life. And if you don't have a locket, you could slip it into your wallet or yeah. your phone carrier. Mm -hmm. Keychains are really good too. Yeah. And there are keychain frames that you can put whatever picture you want in. If you feel like you want to keep them close to your heart and you wear a bra or a binder, stick it in there. You can also slip them into your shoes so that you're walking with them. Yes. If you feel that you have an extremely strong connection to this familiar and they're going to be with you for the majority of your life, if not your entire life, on and off, you can get a tattoo. If you're not into like permanent tattoos, you could probably also find a henna artist to draw henna your body for that particular moment. Uh-huh. There's also henna kits available if you are confident in your artistic skills. You can do that yourself as well. Or just grab a felt tip pen and draw on yourself. I do that with sigils all the time. I have one on my wrist right now. Top or bottom of your foot, behind the knee, mm -hmm. on your shoulder, somewhere that's covered by clothing. Yeah. Possible. I had one on my tummy once and I forgot to tell Sam. And <laughs> she's like, oh my god. <laughs> Another familiar that I just thought of when you were talking about thing is the Whomping Willow from Hogwarts. So your familiar, especially a Popantheon familiar, doesn't have to be an animal. It can be a plant with some kind of consciousness. Cleopatra, Walloping Willow are two of them. From Pocahontas, Grandmother Willow Tree. I feel like she's more of a spirit guide than a familiar because she's able to verbalize and communicate with human beings in human fashion. But for some people, she might not be. That's true. If we're talking about Disney familiars, just pick a movie. Every single Disney film has an incredible animal sidekick who is essentially the hero's familiar walking with them on their journey through everything they go through. There's Pascal and Maximus from Tangled. There's Miko from Pocahontas. Flit the Hummingbird. Yes. Flit the Hummingbird. There's a pug in that movie as well. Uh, his name is Percy. Any of the Aristocats, both Lady and the Tramp, the Mice from Cinderella, and even Lucifer from Cinderella, because Lucifer, I maintain, was not evil. He was just doing oh. the cat. Yeah, he's not evil. You have Cheshire Cat from Alice in Wonderland. Yes. Who's Absolutely. a cousin to Lucifer. <laughs> They look exactly the same. There's all of the animals from the Jungle Book. Mm -hmm. Baloo, Shere Khan, Ka. Sven from Frozen. Yes, 
Sven from Frozen. There's Cricket and Mushu, both from Mulan. Now, Mushu could be seen as more of a spirit animal because he's supposed to be a deity, but there's also a horse in that film who has quite an attitude. Mm -hmm. So you could go there as well. But again, for anyone who's younger and loves Disney or who is a self-proclaimed Disney adult... There's definitely a lot you could mine. Speaking of Hophamtheons that are not animal characters, the broom from Fantasia's 2000, the Magician's Apprentice with Mickey Mouse. Yes. The broom yes. is a perfect energy for a familiar. Yes, absolutely. The fact that the broom has its own personality and its own like thing that it does. There's a Christopher Van Allsburg book that I had when I was a kid where a witch falls out of the sky and loses her broom. The story's not actually about the witch, but her broom. A woman, a local woman who has like a cow farm, finds the broom, or no, she takes care of the witch and nurses her back to health, and as payment, the witch leaves her broom behind. And the broom essentially becomes this farm woman's familiar and does chores for her and helps her out and eventually ends up scaring off someone who keeps threatening her farm. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic book. Wow. So Broom could be a perfect familiar. Uh-huh. So that's another avenue you can go down in the realm of Pop Pantheon familiars. You can absolutely have a familiar that's not an animal or a living being. <laughs> <laughs> the Flying Keys from Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of symbolism there that you could draw on. Or the brooms. Yeah, again, the Quidditch brooms. <laughs> So maybe we could all just have a broom as our familiar. Yeah. Or you can also do the brooms from Hocus Pocus. Yeah. They and have how to. they each have to take up a new type of broom after they lose their original one. Mm-hmm. And the symbolism there. From Hocus Pocus, book becomes kind of like a familiar to Winifred Sanderson's. That is very true. So you could evoke book and have almost a familiar on the astral that has all of your magical knowledge stored within it. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing from Charmed. Their Book of Shadows, in both cases, is almost like a familiar to them. Yeah. Whether you're a fan of the original or the new one or both. Excalibur, having a sword or another enchanted weapon as you're familiar. And it doesn't necessarily have to be to cause harm or to fight anybody, but as a way to direct energy. It could be the sword of Godric Gryffindor. Mm -hmm. It could also be a lightsaber. Yes. Oh my goodness. Well, And lightsabers absolutely have their own personalities. Yeah. And the purple one would definitely have the personality of Mace Windu slash Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Oh my goodness. If you're real brave... And you know what you're doing. The one ring from Lord of the Rings. I am not that brave. (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing. So (laughs) (laughs) not well enough to have the one ring as my familiar. But someone out there. Pop Pantheon familiars can go beyond the limitations and boundaries of the physical world. Not just with having a physical animal in your presence. But it goes beyond the boundaries of what is a familiar. Yes. You can start rethinking what a familiar actually is if you're not bound by the physics of our plane of existence. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
All right, I think that's all we have for today on Pop Pantheon Familiars. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast and it has sparked some inspiration for you to dive deeper into your own fandoms or find new ones and start interacting with these characters and these historical figures and animals or non-animal entities, as the case may be, to incorporate them into your magical practice. If you enjoy our podcast and would like to interact with more of our content, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Pinterest. We also have a storefront on Society6 where you can purchase magical and enchanted artwork. And you can visit us at our blog, which will be in the resources in the description for this podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, and we hope that you have a magical time. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Bye. Bye.